Well, thank you, Leanne, and thank you, Allison, Lacey, and Daniel for sharing those God sightings. As we continue in worship today, we are doing, again, a live stream part of this. So we're coming to you Sunday morning um, from our ministry center for um, this church service. And then we'll be moving into our vision meeting portion, which is just going to be a Zoom call um, to go through a couple more highlights, present our budget, present our new leadership team candidates. And so uh, as I was praying about this service and what we would talk about, it seemed appropriate uh, actually to bring in something from the New Testament that we've been studying with this Good Samaritan and how to love our neighbors and to pull something that sounds kind of obscure way back from uh, Deuteronomy and say, wait, how do these things connect? So, you know, just to review, the mission of Restoration Covenant Church is to be a community of people restored by Jesus to bring hope to the world. But what exactly does that mean? So if we're going to be a blessing to the world, we have to actually understand what blessing means. I don't encourage you to go up, look up hashtag blessed on Instagram. That will not give you the definition. Instead, what we should do is we should look at the first times that God uses the word blessing in his word. And so the first time we see that is when God blesses humanity as human beings, as his image bearers to cultivate and fill the earth. The next time he uses blessing is with the seventh day when he blesses it and makes it holy and invites humanity into this rhythm and relationship with him. Except humanity chooses to rebel against God and to do what they think is right, which is not what God thinks is right. And so rebellion became murder and murder became wickedness and it got so exceedingly bad that God grieved and flooded the earth. But before he flooded the earth, God uh, blessed Noah, this comforter who would rebuild, who would redeem. And, and God promised after the flood that he would never do that again. God blessed Noah. God blessed Noah's firstborn son. And then the descendants of Noah became extremely wicked again. And so God didn't flood the earth, but he did confuse and scatter humanity. And the next time we see the word blessing is with God calling Abraham and Sarah. He says in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth shall be blessed through you. Now, that's beautiful, but it's also difficult and complex. It's beautiful because of what God is asking and saying. The blessing that God is providing through Abraham and Sarah has the power to reverse the rebellion and estrangement with God and people, but it's difficult because of what it would require. It would require leaving what they knew and what they had. It would mean starting again, and I'm not 65 or 75 like they were, but I'm guessing it's not super easy to start at that age. And it would mean whole new levels of trust, obedience, and sacrifice. So that's what makes it difficult, but it's also complex. It's complex because the first time that God uses the word blessing here, he includes this idea of cursing. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I get super uncomfortable when God starts cursing people. And we live in a world where people now are suspicious of the Christian church, not viewing it as a positive influence in the world. So I don't think it's going to help our cause to go around and tell people that God is cursing them. But then I learned that this word curse is not the way that God isn't using it the way I think of it. The curse that I think I, I'm thinking of that most people think of is curse in a way to harm, like the way that God talks to the serpent in Genesis 3. That's the curse harm when he says, when he curses humanity or curses the serpent after humanity rebels. But the curse of Genesis 12 is also the curse of Deuteronomy 30, and it's first seen in Genesis 8. Now, I just gave you a bunch of Bible words and numbers, and so it'd be really easy for you to tune out. But just think of this as like your free seminary for every one moment, okay? So in Genesis 8, Noah waited seven more days and again sent the dove out from the ark. And while the dove, and when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. And Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth, except the word receded is actually an English translation from the word cursed. It's the Hebrew word kalal, and it means to be slight of substance, like my weight in seventh grade. It means to be like vapor or chaff. It means to float away or be diminishing or to subside. So Genesis 8 reads, Noah knew that the water had cursed from the earth. Do you see it? Like God is saying to Abraham and Sarah, I will bless you, and the people who try to diminish you, I will diminish. So what does it mean to be diminished or diminishing? Well, I heard a story about a dad who traveled over 150 days out of the year for work. And he'd been doing that for several years, and he thought that this was the way to blessing in his company and in what he could provide for his family. And then one day, he was home from a business trip early. His daughter came home from preschool, had all these papers, and she was like, no, Dad, you can't see them. You have to wait till dinner. So at dinner, they started talking about their day, and she said, well, at preschool today, we talked about where we live. And so I drew a picture of our house, and she drew this little box with, you know, you could sort of tell it was a house. And then she had two people on it, two stick figures, and she said, this is our house, and this is mommy, and this is me. And then with all the innocence and curiosity she could muster, she turns to her dad, and she goes, where do you live, daddy? And in that moment, that dad knew that what he thought was a blessing was actually a curse. Friends, he was diminishing in his life. Do you have places right now where you are being diminished or you are diminishing? Ask the Holy Spirit. I believe that part of where God has taken us in our next 10 years is to get better at calling forth blessing for others and calling out cursing, places or systems that diminish people. Blessing is this word in Hebrew that means barak and its knee. And I realize that George Floyd's murder has tainted the word knee.
but I want us to connect it back to what it originally meant, which is knee and blessing are connected. See, a man traditionally gets down on one knee to propose to a woman, to join his life with his and to receive a new identity. And he gets down on one knee. Jacob had to kneel to receive the blessing from Isaac. David had to kneel before King Saul. Even though King Saul wanted to harm him, David was asking for blessing. Why would people kneel to receive a blessing? I think it's because blessing is permanent. The kind of blessing that God is talking about is not about personal property. It's much more about God's presence, God's power, and God's community. That's the kind of blessing that we want to be. And as we celebrate 10 years as a church later this summer, and as we enter a new space for church with your approval of this budget, I believe God is calling us to return and recommit and to relaunch restoration with this understanding of blessing, that we are blessed to be that blessing in the world, that we are being restored by Jesus to bring hope to the world. And that hope is not for ourselves, but it's an in it together blessed to love, help, and reach those around us for Christ. Just like we started with our Love Thy Neighbor series last week, uh, that Jesus responds with this good Samaritan story as to how to love our neighbors. He gives us the framework that I believe can guide our love and I believe that God is calling us to focus on in the next year of ministry. And it's three things. It's first, compassion. God wants us to see what he sees and care about what he cares about. We, we do this by putting ourselves in situations where we're near people or we're near a need. And then we cross the street to care and act and caring and acting in ways that we would want others to care and act for us. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be intentional. And many of you have been doing this during COVID-19. Allison alluded to it. You've been calling and texting and checking in on each other, whether you're in a small group or not. You've been bringing food to each other. You've turned your small group meetings into Zoom calls and in times of prayer. And you haven't just done this with people of your church. You've done this with your neighbors, literally, physically. And if you haven't, now is the time. So second... It involves contact. So compassion and then contact. We have to move towards people. We have to meet them where they're at and invite them to the places that we are at. And this is significant because the way that you build relationships with people is you move towards them. It's not always convenient. It doesn't just happen, though. And if you feel like you're not having any deep relationships in this time, perhaps it's because you're waiting for something to happen. But as Jesus followers, we are people who initiate. We are people that go forward. We move towards them. We see Jesus do this throughout his whole life, and it's what the church is. It's Christ, it's connection, and it's community. That's what we want to focus on. So who can you reach out to in your church and in your neighborhood? And just one practical way to do that on our website and actually on the screen, you're going to see a, a map like a little block map picture that you can print out. And I, I want you to do this. I've done this in my life. I'll do it again. And it's going to be up on the screen. It's just a visual for you to write down the names of your physical neighbors. Because sometimes we make this super complicated. So we're just trying to start with something that is simple. 
Not always easy, but simple. Who are the eight closest houses or townhouses or condos or apartments that live near you? Write their names down. Remember their names. Learn them. And if you don't know them, find out. Then write them in and then use the sheet of paper to pray for them. Because it's hard to love someone if you don't even know their name. And then once you learn their name, like I said, you pray for them. That's all I'm asking for you to do right now is to pray for them. We went through this series called Bless, and the first letter of the word bless is B. It means begin with prayer. So we just begin to pray for them. That's how we help, love, help, and serve our neighbors. So then third, it involves cost. Compassion, contact, cost. See, the Samaritan invested in his neighbor's healing. Remember, the Samaritan is in enemy territory. So he has just told one of his enemies, the Jewish innkeeper, the Jewish landlord, I will pay whatever it takes. Now, I have this deep suspicion that people are always out to take me for more than I have. Maybe it's because I was really bad at flea markets and and negotiating prices of stuff when I was a kid. So to say, I will pay whatever it takes, means like extreme vulnerability. But that's exactly what we're asked to do by Christ. Vulnerability is essential for loving others. And when you move towards someone, there is always risk. And I believe God is calling us to steps of greater vulnerability in this next season. And, and like Allison said, we've invested in feeding hungry, food-insecure families for the last several years. We fed 30 of them in this school year, and it was more pivotal and more essential than ever in the last few months. And specifically during the coronavirus pandemic from March to May, you generously com- contributed, I think, over $2,000 to help families in need. You saw the need, and you responded generously to that need. We've seen many more stories of ways that we have pivoted in this time, whether it's our kids' ministry moving online to invest in parents so they can invest in their kids, or it's our worship and tech and teaching teams who pivoted to online ministry who learn how to speak to a camera, seeing it as a window to someone's soul and someone's house, to have a broader reach, a deeper engagement, and your generosity and our skilled and talented, dedicated skilled and dedicated volunteers and staff have made that happen. You know, I think it was last year we said we wanted to leverage technology. And it was honestly on our, someday we need to prioritize that list. And then in March, like 13th, it became, we need to do this today. And in three days, we were able to make that pivot. And then over the next three months, we've been able to add to continue that ministry. And that's what God is calling us to, more vulnerability, more generosity, and more faith risks. Yes, is there a risk in moving from where we are to the Mount Church? I believe there is. But I believe there's a greater risk in staying where we are because I believe to the core of my being that God is calling us to move to this place. He has laid out the steps. He has been in this move. He's been leading the way. He's been putting the steps in place and the leadership team and I have just been faithfully taking the next right step. We've been listening, we've been stopping, we've been learning, we've been going together and I believe that we have been faithfully walking this out. Is it a short-term move? 
Yes, it is. But again, we're listening to God and we're walking his path. So I believe he will reveal the next right step as we step. He's not going to give us all the steps because that doesn't take any faith. And friends, God, if I know anything about God, it's that he invites us to trust him more with every step. So I believe this is smart too because it enables re-engagement to a greater degree. We need your help to play a part in this moving. So we're creating small teams to be a part of the moving process. It offers us a fresh start and an ability to relaunch restoration. That's great. It offers more space and more ministry. It reduces setup. So we have more opportunity to invest and invite others into restoration and into God's kingdom work. It's close to Westview Elementary, so it allows us to keep that connection strong. And I think moving to this space is strategic because, again, it allows for more gatherings to happen, more gatherings at the same time to happen, more opportunities to do ministry on or off-site, and still allows us to continue the digital ministry that we've already started. And with the reduced rental fees, it allows us to start growing intentionally our future facilities fund. Because our goal is for ministry to multiply this year and use the Mount's building and campus as a tool. And we want to learn from this partnership with the Mount because we want to create ministry partnerships in the future. We want any building we own in the future to have a high use rate throughout the week. We don't just want it to sit for Sunday mornings and maybe one night out of the week. We want it to provide a place at any time for the lost and the lonely and the left out to come home to God, to feel like they enter a space that feels like home. I want spaces for spiritual direction, for counseling, for group study. I want worship space that fosters intimacy and authenticity. And we want this space to do what homes do best. To create an environment for people of all ages, but especially our youngest, to create and explore and discover who Jesus is. So we want to grow actively grow that future facilities fund and actively look for a cost-effective building that can be a tool for mission that doesn't become our mission. See, we want to just continue to follow what God laid out so many years ago, and that's from Jeremiah 29, to, to be a blessing to wherever we're at, to pray for the peace of the city, to pray for the prosperity of the city, because when it prospers, we will prosper. We want the community to miss us if we weren't here, and we still feel called to be in this area because we want people to come home to God, to find their home with us, because when you find your home, you find your people, the people who love you, and you find an environment to discover your gifts, an environment to join with Jesus to transform communities. That's what we want to do. Would you just listen right now for a moment to where the Holy Spirit might be calling you? Is it in the area of compassion? Or the area of contact? Or is it in that area of cost, of that sacrifice, whether it's generosity or that sacrifice of taking risks? Because I believe God is leading us into our best days yet. So God, we give you this time. We ask you continue to lead and guide us as we 
transition into our Zoom call uh, as we cast uh, ballots and, and vision and votes uh, to what we believe is your leading. God, thank you that your word says that we are supposed to listen and hear with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. That it's not about obedience, God, as much as it is about first hearing wherever we are. God, that we would hear with all our heart and then we would respond appropriately. Thank you for be speaking to us through this time and not just to me, but to so many. I pray that you'd speak to us now about how we're supposed to personally respond to your word and to this message. In Jesus' name, amen.